0: Welcome to Trading for Keeps. This is Brian. And this is Michael. And today we have a new format for uh, today's podcast. I am going to go through the infamous Wall Street Bets subreddit on reddit.com. And I'm going to get Michael's reaction to some of the top posts of this year. And Michael has assured me he has not read these beforehand, he doesn't know what's coming. So I think this will be I mean, well, fun and entertaining. Chance,
1: I mean, I read, I read Wall Street Bets from occasion. I think you're a much more uh, religious follower of Wall Street Bets than I am. But I'm not going to – there's a chance I've seen it before. Okay. I'm just – full disclosure, I just don't – I'm not on every day.
0: So so, so just for me, the viewers, what, what – can you briefly describe what you think Wall Street Bets is,
1: Michael? Wall Trump. Street Bets?
0: Yeah, what is Wall is, Street Bets?
1: It's is, is a bunch of just degenerate people – sharing uh they share lost porn they share gain porn and when I'm, it's not actually porn you know they're showing their lot when they make a big gain or have a big loss it's a lot more losses than gains uh it's insulting each other they make all they make a lot of funny videos i mean go on there you'll you'll is there some very funny videos just about you know how the money printer works or um just yeah, they, yeah i don't know they put a lot of funny things together there's the so, bear
0: gang the bear gang the bull gang they got their own yeah. you know linger tendies they say attendees, you know that's their money right
1: tendies uh, for money yup. the gay bears they always call them the gay bears only you know the bears are gay so yeah. they use the word retard a lot which might be offensive so if you you know i don't know how much is going to come up but i know they use that word a lot they use a lot of other highly offensive words but i'm trying to be as f- we're trying to be as family friendly as yeah. possible so we're trying to avoid the the heavy cussing here but just Certain certain words are being used on Wall Street bets, and since we can say whatever we want, we're just we're, we're gonna try to self regulate a little bit.
0: Yeah, and I'm trying to create the list to give Michael, you know, the most I guess some reasonable ones. And um, and I think this maybe this subgroup kind of represents, you know, the typical male Redditor, you know, 20 to 30s, you know, has a small Robinhood account or maybe a large Robinhood account, and is you know just gotten into some trading. So this is not your investing, you know, typical investing thread. This is not probably not even like you know people who day trade seriously and put a lot of research into these people are like kind of gambling level, you know, market that that's, that's, that's how they're taking things on.
1: And and it's amazing. Some of the accounts, I mean, people are showing like hundred thousand dollar accounts that they're handed, you know, so this is just money they have somehow. I don't have a hundred thousand. I mean, you know, I may, if I combine assets or something, I might be able to be like, I don't have a hundred thousand dollars in cash sitting around. I'm just going to go gamble in the stock market with, or on roulette or poker or anything else for that matter. So it's, it's interesting. The, uh, who who's in this who's in this group
0: and again this is the internet so maybe people are lying maybe there's no way to validate you know they they're, they're, say there's some moderators so sometimes they get some proof but we'll see what yeah, happens
1: yeah. screenshots uh, you know screenshots are easily faked
0: yep but it is a fun i would say it's a fun subreddit it does talk about the market so with that i will begin so right now i'm on reddit.com wall street bets and i'm organized from the top links from the past year. So the first link, I'll describe it here. It's a uh, it's titled, Elon has transcended time, space, and county regulations. And this is submitted um, five months ago. So this is probably in about May, end of May. And it says, Elon Musk tweet, Tesla is restarting production today against Alameda County rules. I will be on the line with everyone else. If anyone is arrested, I ask that it only be me. And this is uh, May eleventh, 2020. Um, and then the the first comment on Reddit is literally can't go tits up. So what do you think of Elon Musk's tweet and the comments? <laughs> I actually
1: I had actually seen this tweet before because it was it was big news when it happened. I I don't know he he's just he's being a rebel for being this being you know for the sake of being a rebel. Uh, I know this is when there was a lot of uh, COVID nineteen you know lockdown restrictions and everything else. He, you know he wanted to deliver. That's been the whole that's been the whole battle, right? That's been the the American battle economy versus uh, safety. And um, he said, we're going to go with the economy. We're going to, we're going to make economic output given, you know, a Tesla factory, you should be able to socially distance to a certain extent there, you know, you know, there's so many robots and everything. So I, you know, I, th- I think the more the tweet was just uh, to draw publicity. I think it was more of an, I dare you. I think he was basically daring, uh, you know, people to come and arrest him and, and really ch- try to challenge authority. That'd be my best, my best so, bet there.
0: So it's funny. So I think Elon Musk kind of, is maybe the, um, the the people that a lot of the people in the Wall Street butts look up to, or they idealize, I- idolize Elon Musk. And it's funny, he loves to tweet, right? And he's actually got in trouble with the SEC for tweeting. And this is yes. one that you think, if any other CEO said this or went on this thing, you know, that might do something to their stock price. But if you look at, I guess, Tesla stock price since May, I think if you had invested that time, you probably would have done okay. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, you would have done phenomenal. I think Tesla, Tesla soared. At Tesla, has absolutely soared since that time. It had splits, and it even split. So, so May, what was that date? May what? May eleventh, twenty twenty. May eleventh, it was trading at like one sixty. Well, that's before that's pre-split. Yeah. So, it was actually trading at five times that. But it got up as high, as you know. It, yeah, it went way higher. You would have been, you would have been sitting good. So basically. Elon
0: tweets you should buy. Is almost what it is. <laughs> yeah, Elon Musk can do no harm with his tweeting. At, at well, though, all so right, so his other tweet
1: though did get him in trouble. You know that one that he he said I'm going to take Tesla private at 420 a share. And At the time, it was trading at like $300 a share. So it spiked up to 380 and the SEC actually halted the stock. And then it got unhalted. I don't think it ever topped 380, so it never got to actually actually got up to 420. And um, apparently he had no deal. There was no deal whatsoever. Uh, there was somebody, I forget, somebody said they, they were with him over the weekend after he sent that tweet. And he was freaking out all weekend, calling people, trying to, he's like calling the Saudis, calling the Chinese, trying to find somebody to loan him these billions of dollars he would need to take the company private at 420. Uh, he did end up paying $40 billion, or $40 million, I think it was 40 million, yeah, 40 million, I'm sorry, 40 billion, a lot. He ended up paying a $40 million fine. Well, Tesla's paid 20 of it, and he had to personally pay $20 million in in fines to the SEC. So he's not always gotten off scot-free.
0: Yeah, he has a very entertaining... uh I think, recent interview with Leslie Stahl, and they basically say, like, so who's controlling your tweets right now? Like, isn't like, didn't the SEC tell you? And he basically was like, "Mm, I'm not a big fan of the SEC. And it just goes through the board and everything's fine. Don't worry about it, kids. (laughs) So it makes me wonder how how much uh, how much of Elon Musk's tweeting is is really being monitored these days. And he also got in trouble, I guess, somewhat for the, you know, if you remember that, that that Thai cave disaster, and he, there was one of the divers and he made some comments about the diver. I mean, that got him into some legal trouble too. So Elon seems kind of a brilliant guy, but kind of a little all over there with the tweets sometimes. Yeah.
1: But at the same time, I think almost here at this point where you say, Oh, well at this point you can't take him seriously. Right. Because you know, he lies so much. So it's really on you. I feel like that we're at that point in, in time where now, if, if you were to believe it, if you were to take action based off one of his tweets uh, and like sue him for it or something, you could, he could come back and say, you know, how much have I lied? Would a because it's always the question is would a reasonable person make the same assumption? That's always the legal question, right, Mr. Lawyer?
0: Uh, Yeah, we use the reasonable person a lot. I I don't know the specifics of, you know, relying on tweets. Go talk to your own lawyer about that. Don't rely on me.
1: I'm just saying, you know, I just think I can see how somebody might uh, might not be able to get something over at this point because he just he lied so much. He, you know, liars are going to lie. Can you really believe what a liar says? Yeah, I, I mean, I think
0: no. he, he, yeah, he, he has his own personal Twitter account, but I think it's interesting if you if you do ever listen to Tesla's like earnings calls or you know when he talks to investors in that setting, not in like a you know an uh, interview on TV or on CNN or something like, he does take, take at least to me, he seems to take the Tesla's earnings calls very seriously and can you know present in a normal fashion. So I don't you know he may be a little crazy on Twitter, but I think he actually deep down is seems like to be a very brilliant, intelligent person, uh, a little bit of eccentric, a little eccentric as well. All right, that was our number one. Let's go on to number two. So this is uh, from four months ago. Uh, so this is probably uh, June. And it says, uh, breaking CNBC officially gives up stocks. Enter kangaroo market. And then there's a picture, the bull market, you know, showing the line going up. And it shows a picture of a bull. and says bear market. And it's kind of a picture going down. And then it has a kangaroo, a picture. And it's just going up and down, up and down, up and down. And this is on CNBC. And it says uh, top comment: A dingo ate my tendy. So, what do you what do you think of the kangaroo market, Michael?
1: We haven't been in a kangaroo market. It's been I mean, there's been some drops and bounces, but I mean, we've been it's been bullish since March. We've been super bullish. So, you know, I don't know. Everyone wants to call it a kangaroo market, but you look at the trend. You can look at the trend, and it's up. I mean, it's got some dips, but I, I would say it's more up than anything. Uh, when was that? In June? Yeah, June. Yes. I think we so, are a bit more volatile in June, but at this point, you know, things have really leveled out. And I, even in June, though, I mean, we had our March, I I don't know, the kangaroo market. You can call it that if you want, but I'd say we've been bullish since uh, since we bottomed in March.
0: Yeah, they always say, you know, what kind of shaped recovery are we going to have? Is it you know is it the U shape? Is it a W? There's this K, you know, part of us go up, part of us go down. I, I think you can make a, sh- and you know, those patterns, you know, you can, you can, they have all sorts of fancy names for flags and this and that so i think you know i, I like playing pictionary with lines too kangaroo <laughs> sure why not kangaroo <laughs>
1: uh, but yeah i think ultimately though we're in a, a k-shape k-shape is honestly what it is where we've got some markets some industries recover some of them have done better than others you know you look at something like solar solar energy has just done absolutely phenomenal um you know as some of the uh some of the Things from like, you know, the Paris Agreement are coming to fruition and whatnot. Um, and, and, and other ones haven't, you know, resorts, casinos, um, hotels, restaurants, they're doing awful. And so that, that's where they're on this much lower slope. They're on this whole different plane. They crashed and kind of haven't recovered where, you know, you, you look at something like Zoom or even I don't know if you saw today. Logitech, Logitech has blew earnings out of the water. They're up two or three hundred percent on the year. So you know it, it depends on the industry. You know there's winners and losers, and that's really what this uh, what this whole pandemic has has showed showed us in the market. You know some places I, thrive. I mean Google and Facebook and all of them they they're going to make their advertising dollars no matter what. But
0: that's right. That's right. They have yeah have valuations. Yeah, different industries it, it reacts differently for sure. Okay um how about here's a, here's another one so um this is a this is a graphical one but it says you know what does 3.28 uh, million jobless claims look like versus the last 50 years of reports and so the report goes from 1970 to now and if you look at this graph it's uh you know it does jobless claims and basically if you look at the this is from april uh this is like the the, the line goes sky high probably five times the, the the next highest peak on the graph of uh of uh, jobless claims and the, the top comment was um, everything is apparently priced in LMAO. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, like- that's, that's,
1: that's essentially what the market, you know, the market's been going, but the market has a buying a buyer that nobody else has ever seen before. The fed, the yeah. fed has been buying. They've been adding so much to the balance sheet and they can do it. They can, when the, when the fed, when the money printer is literally the number one buyer in the market, stocks are going to go up.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I think this is interesting. I think this is also a time when people are getting stimulus checks, which is also helpful, you know, and I think a lot of Americans like th- to spend their stimulus checks in the market. And um, yeah. you know, like you said, and a, <laughs>
1: bucks a pop, come on. I mean, how much does that even come out to? Um,
0: and I think also, you know, again, the stock market is not representative of, all American business, like you, like you said earlier. And so, you know, if you think that maybe some of the small and mom and pop shops go out of business, then maybe those larger companies, you know, take that business, right? And they get larger and those are the ones being publicly traded. So I think, exactly. I, think there's a, I think there's a lot of causes there, but I think it's it's interesting. You look at this enormous jobless claim. And if you said that in April, man, I'm sure, you know, that, I mean, I was there in April. This wasn't very long ago. You know, it looked pretty dire at that point, at least from the market, but then we had a very, uh, I guess, positive upswing.
1: So the current—I just pulled it up just to check it out. The Federal Reserve had prior to COVID had a balance sheet of 4.2 trillion dollars. All right, and it took you know all the years—the 200-some odd years of uh, the, you know our republic—for it to get that high, and it is now at 7.1 trillion dollars. So it almost doubled. It has almost doubled its balance sheet, and it's rising. It is absolutely right. rising. The Federal Reserve's balance sheet, which is basically what it's down, the money it's given out that's not gotten back. You know, you, I think uh, I just want to make sure everyone understands what the Federal Reserve's balance sheet is. You know, the Federal Reserve essentially just prints money. It's technically a private bank uh, with some, you know, it's regulated, but it's technically a private bank and they just give out money. And the Federal Reserve can give out as much money as it wants. It just has to kind of keep track of it. If it turns a profit, it goes to the treasury. It never turns a profit, uh, and if it doesn't turn a profit, if it goes into the negative, it just sits on the balance sheet. That's what it does. It sits on the balance sheet and negative. So right now, the Federal Reserve has negative seven point one, seven point two trillion dollars. That's just there. That's just fake money that technically doesn't exist or does. I don't know. It's out there. People are working with it. So it's a it's a very bizarre system we work with, and then it, it's a going on a rant here but they call bitcoin funny money <laughs> that's right that's <laughs> but right if you really look at like what is behind the u.s dollar nothing nothing's behind the u.s dollar it is just there so uh,
0: i know i agree with you i think a lot of good points there so okay so I have, a, I have another one pulled up we can go funny or serious which which way would you prefer to go here
1: let's let's, let's go
0: funny Let's go funny, okay, we'll go funny. I get, I get
1: very serious on these serious ones.
0: Oh yeah, okay, okay, this is good. Okay, so um, here it's, it's a picture of a man, it's called economic scarcity. It says me, colon, buys $10,000 of shares in a highly volatile market. Also me, colon, $25 for a shirt. Nope, too expensive. <laughs> uh, and then the uh, the top comment is, um, imagine how nice your Robinhood account would look like with an extra $25 in it though. <laughs> <laughs> about right. I mean, that's almost the concept, right? Like people are playing,
1: people are going in. I got, um, you know, I got, I got a couple of friends. I think everybody's involved in the market to some extent. And they're like, you know, every now and again, they're convinced on this one particular stock. And so they'll send me a text like, have you bought that stock yet? I'm like, no, it's crashing. Why would I buy? No, no, no. It's turning. it's going to turn around. You just wait and see this. If today was not a bargain, you know, tomorrow's, a, tomorrow's the bargain that you got to buy. It's, I, I don't know. There's this whole concept. People like, they always want to buy what they think is on sale and then yeah. the amount of money they'll put into the market, not knowing what they're doing. You know, they always want to buy what's going down. But if you buy what's going up, you got a much better shot.
0: Yeah. I think I think this goes to like several points. So I think one is like, you know, I, I kind of have a frugal person. So I, I'm like, oh man, a hundred dollars, that's like way too much for a shirt. Who who sells who buys shirts for a hundred dollars? And then, you know, I take a hundred dollar loss on a trade and it's like, well, whatever, you know, I'm just gonna go back go and trade some more, right? You know? It's like it's not like real money to me. I mean, I get it is real money, right? And we're trying to make, you know, long-term gains, but I guess. I think it's good that we probably don't you know, internalize the short-term losses and, and see it as a physical good. You know, maybe you'd be you know, less likely to take risk or less likely to trade. But then also at the same time, I think it's it's okay to be frugal in life with other kinds of purchases. Like I don't, I mean, maybe I should have one 100 nice dollar nice shirt, but I don't need a lot of them, right? So um, I guess it's your personal choice on what you want to spend things on. And this is one that we've you know, chosen to, this is how we've chosen to spend our money.
1: I'll mention a book that you let me borrow. You let me borrow the The Millionaire Next Door. And I think uh, it was in that book, given this was written in the 90s, but The Millionaire Next Door, the average millionaire in this country, the most expensive article of clothing they've ever bought is like two to $400. Yeah. (laughs) I I am trying to, you know, I'd rather be on that mindset where I'm not spending my money. Even uh, I heard, uh, what's his name? Kevin Leary, Mr. Wonderful on the Shark Tank. He's actually come out and said, you know, he goes, I will not go to Starbucks. I will not spend $4 for a dollar, dr- or a, you know, for a thirty-five cent drink, because and that's why I'm a billionaire or a millionaire, whatever he is. But you know,
0: yeah, you hear you hear these investors like Warren Buffett drives a really old car, you know, and and all these other kinds of things of frugality. Yeah, he only, I think he
1: only gets hash browns from he'll get McDonald's. He gets the little McDonald's. Make, yeah, he only gets hash browns if the market's doing good that day. Like if futures are down, eh, you know what? I'm not. I'm gonna forego the extra thirty-five cents or seventy-five cents for the hash browns.
0: Yeah, I've heard like other funny things. You know, you can see economic sentiment, you know, if men are buying, you know, underwear because men will never buy underwear, you know, that, oh man, that means times are good, right? Things like that. So it's just kind of kind of funny little things like that. Okay, moving to a more serious one, let's see here. Um, okay, so this is kind of, this was uh, six months ago. So this was uh, also in April kind of at the, maybe at the peak of the, of the, you know, trough of, or the peak, sorry, at the low of the, of the most recent COVID uh, recession here. And then um, it said, uh, the title is, why should any American company ever act responsibly again? And the first, you know, and it goes on to say, what's the point of good corporate governance and physical responsibility? The companies that leveraged themselves to the moon did stock buy bucks to hyperinflate their stock price, live on constant debt instead of good balance sheets, are now being, being bailed out by quantitative easing, free money to cover your mistakes. Why would anyone run a good business ever again? Just cheat and scheme and get bailed out later. And the top comment is, you have to act responsible enough to become a large company and then you don't have to be responsible anymore. Oh man, thoughts. You know,
1: all right, we, we, were, we were just talking about this. Nicola, Nicola, right? <laughs> At the peak, had a $40 billion valuation. More than Chrysler Fiat, more than Ford. $40 billion. They don't have a running vehicle. Hopes and dreams. I mean, <laughs> they do not have a running vehicle. We don't know all the lies and truth, but we know certain things are right. we know their CEO, Trevor Milton, came out and said, you know, we're all about responsible renewable energy. We've got solar panels on our roof. They went and got the uh took some satellite pictures, you know, uh Hindenburg on their short report. Fair, you know, you said you have solar panels, let's just take a picture of them. There was no solar panels there. I mean, like this guy has lied and lied and lied. So I don't believe that even the small companies, because he made it big, they made it to be a 40, they're not at 40 billion anymore. I think they're like 5 billion. But still, the fact that it's a multi-billion dollar company that eclipsed Ford and Chrysler Fiat and came from nothing and was built on lies. And even even Trevor Milton has, from what I can tell, has never, and he's the former CEO of Nikola, has never had a truly successful business and even the first business he had he had a a, i guess an alarm company and he sold it for three hundred thousand dollars and apparently that's disputed one of his business partners like he did not get three hundred thousand dollars he might have gotten bought out but it was not three hundred thousand dollars it was like everything is even on a smaller company can be built on lies
0: yeah i I think yeah you make a good point i think it's like i think there's maybe how i interpret that there's a there's a, more of an emphasis on increasing your shareholder value over long-term responsibility. And so I think, you know, this is the time we've, you know, we're bailing out airlines and the sort of thing is like, you know, airlines were doing buybacks, you know, just a year ago, right? Or a lot of companies were right. doing buybacks, right? Now they're asking for PPP loans and other forms of government assistance, right? And so the, you know, those buybacks increased shareholder value, you know, it drove the stock market higher it ultimately returned, you know, money, to people that are trading stocks and, you know, getting dividends and that sort of thing. But that uh, at the cost of maybe the long-term health of the company or, you know, the workers they had to lay off. And so, you know, I guess that's the kind of the system that we have built in, at least how I see it. And the thing is, I don't think these companies could have anticipated COVID, but, you know, if you have free capital just sitting on the sidelines, right, if you just have, you know, a billion dollars not doing anything, you can invest that, you can do a buyback, or you can just sit on it and maybe there's a problem someday and then you can invest it. But rainy I think, day fund. Yeah, rainy day fund. But if you know the government's going to bail you out anyways, then why have a rainy day fund, right?
1: Exactly. But now, I think long term though, what, what what is it all going to come to? How much, you know, the, the US dollars the, the, is the global currency. When does that reach a tipping point? How long can we keep interest rates at zero? Can we have negative interest rates? You know, some of the European banks have negative interest rates because they're trying to encourage uh, investment. I did, yeah. That uh, JP Morgan, the Mm -hmm. the former JP Morgan, and he even said that, you know, Japan tried to get people to invest in their market by making interest rates negatives, but instead everybody just withdrew their cash and stuffed it in a mattress. So what we have right now, all right, and also another another one of our guests. I love our guests, by the way. We've had so many good guests. Absolutely. uh, You know, that have really, you know, got me thinking about different things. Um, Stephen... Uh, the, the Bitcoin guru, he mentioned, the you know, the Bitcoin standard. I, I read that book, most of it. I'm, well, I'm still working on it. I need to come back and forth. It gets a little dry, but it's a good book. But, you know, I guess I didn't really understand the history of money until I read that book and, you know, how gold was the standard for the longest time and how when we were on the gold standard, we had, you know, a little bit better, you know, certain things were working really well. And I know right now, no, but, but nobody can see, you know, our, our, the people that are making economic decisions can't see past the next four years. Everyone's making decisions for the immediate future, for trying to make sure that the, the economy is in the right place in two years or in four years. We're not planning a decade out. We're not planning two decades out. And I think this is all really going to come and and bite us in the butt eventually. Um, I think the ramification are ha- going to be, they're going to be huge and I don't think anyone's going to be able to see it. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be all of a sudden a black swan event, but it's like, you know, I'll go back and I'm going to get a little political here. I'm going to say this, it's like the pandemic. Our, our president, he goes, he goes, nobody could have seen this coming. Go, well, you know what? Yes, you could have. We've had pandemics. They don't happen often, but we've had them before. So if you're not, you know, if, if, we're, if we're not prepared for a bad thing to happen, we all know, you know, we've all lived on this planet long enough. We know good things happen and bad things happen. And when the good things happen, you know, you, you, you enjoy them. When the bad things happen, you try to get through them but you try to prepare for the bad things too. So.
0: No, I I hear you. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if you're listening to this or, you know, we are, you know, in it right now, I think, you know, we, at least as individuals can try our best to prepare, you know, for all these potential, you know, future events. I I think it's interesting, you know, Nicola, you know, I think they, I mean, I think they're rightly being punished by the market now. I mean, I think, you know, you can only do that for so long. And I think in the end of the day, I think responsible companies well, at least this is my hope. This is my idealism. But I think responsible companies that do act, you know, wisely and you know do have, you know, maybe the best interest of their long-term shareholder price in mind, that they'll they they take account of these long-term trends and these long-term thoughts. So here's my last my example on this topic. But during the you know the the crash and you know we there's some really good documentaries and I know you you, know, you even recommended one to me and I watched. But um, this is the 2008 financial crash. You know where Bear Stearns failed and Lehman Brothers failed. But interesting enough, Bank of America did just fine and survived that, and it's because Bank of America wasn't getting into this crazy, you know, lending that the other people were doing, and they were actually acting responsibly on the sidelines to not put themselves in that position. So I think sometimes, you know, it's easy to get up caught up in the frenzy to, you know, let's go with the you no know, craziest trend and like let's, you know, get our shareholder price right high right now by, you know putting out some crazy PR and press releases. And I know this is how a lot of penny stocks operate, right? And they just eventually tumble down. But if I think if you're a truly a penny stock that wanted to succeed, you probably wouldn't just rely all on PR hype. You would actually want to legitimately have a business plan and a product and want to execute. And yeah, you might get tanked in the short term and people might be pissed at you. But, you know, if you could actually long-term execute, it's probably better for people in the end, at least your shareholders.
1: That's true. And insiders, if they truly believe in what they're doing, the insiders will show up by buying when the share, when the when the share uh, price takes a hit you know if the, if if the insiders truly believe in what they're doing long term the insiders will start buying yeah so that's a, that's a little thing you can look for
0: and there's all yeah there's also these interesting lists you can see of you know people what insider buys were happening and what insider sells were happening and uh, yeah it's it's yeah. kind of yeah. interesting and people invest on based on that information
1: Yeah. And yeah, there's disclosures. You can go to your, uh, you can go to, I know it's on my E-Trade account will tell me when there's been insiders buying and selling. I think it's also just, you can probably see on Yahoo Finance too. So, you know, the information's out there. A lot of times you just have to go look for it. And, you know, it's not going to always make the front page of Yahoo News or CNN or anything else. You know, it's going to, you have to, you have to go and find that information to see who, who might be a little more responsible, but yeah, no, right now, uh risky risky behavior is being incentivized and you know the the government seems to just say you know whatever we can we can just print as much money as we want so we have no concerns (laughs) yeah that's that's right
0: all right should we uh let's see here can i can i put a another comment to you yeah go for it so let's see here um i'm gonna pull one up here okay uh this is a a tweet it says uh and it's posted here it's it's called it says the title is 100 accurate wall street bets is just astrology for men and then the top comment is jokes on you i can't read and uh <laughs> uh so what do you think is a uh, i guess this maybe it's an inside joke to wall street bets but it, it, i guess maybe it's the stock market are these kind of prognostications about what the market can do is that akin to astrology or are we are is strategy more than astrology are we are we just are we just guessing here
1: well, I think, I think bullshit bets is just guessing. I think mean, you know, they go by calls, they go by puts, you know, this, they, they, they leverage it all. You take a hundred thousand dollars worth of puts or a hundred thousand dollars worth of calls um, on, you know, on a, on a random signal one way or the other. So yeah, I, I'd agree with that. That's, that's not totally, totally outside the realm of possibility. <laughs> I do like the, the comment there jokes on you. I can't read. Yes.
0: <laughs> all right. I'll move to the next one. So it's the top, this is, um, the, the, the post reads, I will invest $100,000 into whatever is the top reply in a week. LOL. Okay. <laughs> uh,
1: Did they? Yeah I,
0: yeah, I guess I, I don't have any. Uh... Okay, he submitted some proof. So let's click on the proof. What's the proof say?
1: I want to I know what, what the top was and what the date was. I want to see. Because we, we've got an experiment. I think we should talk about our experiment that we've, we've discussed the ETF experiment. I think we need to talk about that at the end. Okay. We could talk about
0: that at the end. Uh, this is unfortunate. You know, I can't actually tell um, what happened here, but I, the top comments, you know, if the guy says, you know, if you pull this off, I'll, you know, if you, if you pull this off with a profit, I'll eat my shoe. So then then presumably we have to watch somebody eating a shoe now, but um, <laughs> now, yes, yeah, so this is an this is unfortunate part of Reddit. We don't know what happened here. So that's, that's too bad. But maybe if someone's listening, you know, you can, you know, email us, contact us, you know, let's, T- tell me if this guy made his, you know, his hundred thousand dollars, you know,
1: uh, email Michael at trading That's the number four.
0: Let's see here. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Some of these are, a lot of these are just videos. So it's, it's hard to just watch a, a video here. Oh, yeah, here, it's a little here. tough to do a video on a podcast. Okay. Here's, here's an interesting one. I, I'll pull it up. So it's, it's a, it's a chart of this guy's trading account. Um, it's called for the first time in my life, I feel at home. And he has, a. He law- and he says negative, he has an unsmiley face, negative uh, $148,173.58. And it shows his, um, his Robinhood account. And it shows it at $0. And it says it's down $148,000 in the last three months. Uh, and it says, uh, top comment, uh, let's see here. Uh, mod this retard for achieving 100%. So they're saying, make this guy a moderator. He achieved the the best you can possibly do according to Wall Street bet standards. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you don't. Yeah, I guess you can't really get a whole
1: lot better than that, right? If you're down 100, you're a hundred, you're neg. Is it negative? He's a h- negative one hundred
0: fifty-eight thousand. Yeah, he lost. Uh, yeah, one hundred forty-eight. One hundred forty-eight thousand dollars. Yeah, everyone's like, wow, you just made it. To- Making it to zero is really impressive. Uh, that's what that's what people are really impressed with <laughs> the comments here. You know, no one can get hit exactly zero, and then they say, um. And then some people were, you know, what were your positions so I can do the exact opposite And then uh, it looks like he bought SPY uh, puts at $260. Uh, and uh, I guess that did not work out for him.
1: Yeah, SPY, the SPY, that's an ETF that tracks the uh, S&P 500. Yeah, if you bought puts this year, you probably got, uh, you probably got hosed. You probably lost some money. Yes. Because the Federal Reserve has been buying. And they can buy as much as they want. Literally no limit to how much the Federal Reserve can buy.
0: Oh, he, here, here's another, again, a lot of these are videos, so it's, it's, it's challenging, but I, I'll give you, there's another Elon Musk, uh, he made, He I guess he's really popular on Wall Street bets, and this one is t- uh, a link to CNBC, so a link to a legitimate news article, and it says, Tesla CEO Elon Musk says, stock price is too high, and shares fall, do you remember this, when this happened? Yes, yes, and-
1: I love that one, because they <laughs> fell for like a day, and then they spiked even higher, All right. Tesla stock, people don't understand this, but as much volume as Tesla stock gets and the way the float is locked up, it is locked up, okay? There, there is very, very few shares available for trading. And in the valuation is absolutely insane, as Elon Musk said. And, uh, and yeah, and the shorts are constantly getting squeezed. What happened, the massive spike that Tesla had was not investors buying because they thought it was such a great deal. That was a short squeeze. Tesla has been squeezed after squeeze after squeeze. And I, we've talked about short squeezes before, but short squeezes are when short somebody who sells the stock. I actually, I saw this on, on Twitter the other day. He goes, a short is just a committed buyer, right? Because literally if you short a stock, you're committing to buy that stock back at some other point. You're hoping to buy it at a lower amount. But if you have to buy it up higher, and then everybody else has to buy it higher, and then everybody that's you know it, it becomes a cascading effect, except to, you know cascading upward.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I 100% agree with you. Yeah, that I mean, we had, and we had one of our previous guests. Yeah, I think uh, recently, yeah, explained. You know, he he was he would short like that, and yeah, you're right. You have to you have to buy back those you know those shares right at some point. And if there's so many people shorting, they're all having to buy back, and that there could be a shortage of shares, and all of a sudden, you know, you're in a short squeeze and I think one of the, I think one of the things that, you know, made an impression upon me is, you know, like, you know, Kodak or something spiking, you know, day of, and it's, you know, it's, man, why is this thing going from 36 to 40 when it was $4, you know, earlier today, that seems rather high. What's that last $4. And that's uh, most likely people getting squeezed. No one's really believing in that last little bit right there. So Um, the
1: fact, you know, everybody, everyone's come in short Tesla and, Elon basically gave them an extra reason. They already plenty of reasons to short Tesla, but he gave them an additional reason and they all got squeezed. So remember that I think that's one thing to take a a short seller is a dedicated buyer. They are guaranteed to buy back at some time. So, you know, for a fact, the more shorts that are in a stock, you know, there's that many buyers in the stock too, that it will eventually have to buy back in.
0: I, I think the and then the number one comment was one tweet equals negative uh, negative nine and a half percent. But you're right, it just came right back
1: up. So. Yeah, it came right back, yeah. That was that was obviously the day of or something because it would, yeah. They had very it had absolutely no effect. It got bought right up, you know. And I'm in some uh, I'm in some groups, some like investing trading groups, and I mean they just they think Tesla's just such a great deal, and they just I don't know, they just seem to keep buying Tesla, and buying Apple. <laughs> I mean I don't know, I can't knock somebody for buying Apple honestly, but just. So I mean, at the same time, Tesla keeps going up. I can't really knock them for buying Tesla either, but it's just, you know, yeah. once again, the valuation, but the valuations don't matter,
0: right? Exactly. Oh, yeah, I know. You're right. I mean, we could talk about Tesla all, all day. But but speaking of Apple, you mentioned that. I'm, I'm going to give you another, uh, another post here. So this one's called Nothing Can Stop Ta- uh, Tech. NASDAQ 11K EOW. I think it's end of week. Uh, this was two months ago. And, uh, and it shows a picture, the four horsemen of NASDAQ, but the person misspelled NASDAQ. And it was just N-D-A-Q. And the first picture in the top left is uh, Elon Musk. I think he's smoking some kind of cigarette or, or joint or something like that. Is that the, 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 from the, the Joe Rogan podcast, maybe? I think, yes. I think it is from the Joe Rogan podcast. Okay. The next picture is, um, it looks like uh, 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 the CEO of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, with a very white painted face. Um, the bottom left is uh, Bill Gates. Uh, kind of, you know, d- you know, with the Microsoft Windows background, you know, kind of ducking his head, you know, giving the arms out. And then uh, the l- the last bottom right picture is uh, Jeff Bezos looking like he's walking out of an explosion, you know, looking really, you know, manly with his sunglasses on. Yeah. Uh, OK. The top comment is uh, air, water, earth and fire. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Planet, right? Yeah. Captain Planet. That's right. You get the
1: reference. Yes. <laughs>
0: All
1: right. <laughs> that yeah. sounds that sounds about right. You know, Microsoft is one of like the you know they. I would say of all of those, uh, Bill Gates is probably the least controversial, and his stock has done barely anything this year, going from one thirty two to two two thirty two. I mean, it's basically doubled. I added a hundred dollars, like in the grand scheme of things, for what the market has done this year, Microsoft is like barely is it basically traced the spy. It's basically stayed right with the S and P five hundred.
0: Yeah, no, it's interesting. So I mean, um. I'll just maybe sidetrack on, on the point of Microsoft. You know, so they've had these congressional hearings earlier this year. You know about like um, American tech companies. You know, and are they too big? And you know, are, are they facing some antitrust issues or anti-competitive behavior? And I think some recent news came out about Alphabet today about that point. But when they invited people to talk to Congress, they had um the CEO of uh, Apple, uh, Tim Cook. They had the CEO of uh, Microsoft there. Uh, they had the CEO Alphabet, and they had a uh, uh, Jeff Bezos uh, there. So, but the, the one person they didn't invite they didn't invite Microsoft. And it's funny. You know, I think Jim Cramer made a joke. It's like, you know, if they're going to invite all the tech people, you know, come on, Microsoft, you know, they do antitrust stuff too. Can't they get invited to Congress? You know, what do they do to get left out? You know, but uh,
1: I would venture to say that they they beat them once before. Yeah, that's right. So Microsoft, then, <laughs> I, I don't remember the day. I want to say it was in the late nineties, but they were ordered to break up. Do you remember this?
0: So they did an antitrust. I recall with like windows because they had bundled internet explorer with windows. And this is where, uh, there's, there's some famous lawyers that argued Bush v. Gore were arguing that as well. And as I recall, actually, they did eventually, they were victorious. And this is where Bill Gates gets some really funny testimony. He was deposed and he like basically said, like, I don't know. I don't remember a bunch of times. It looked real dumb. And then, you know, he was kicked out and Steve Ballmer took over. But uh, basically nothing actually happened to Microsoft at the time. Like Well, they, they, they won on appeal. It was a huge headline. I mean, headlines across
1: America, across the world. Microsoft ordered to break up. It was a huge thing, huge victory for the United States. I'm I'm, the the United States government, uh, you know, judicial branch, the Department of Justice, because they beat Microsoft. They said, you guys are too big. You have to break up this. You can't have this monopoly. And then we never heard another word about it. And they never broke up. Yeah. What actually happened was they lost on appeal. The government did. Yeah. I I, I, just run on appeal. And we only have one Microsoft today.
0: Yeah, I just remember at least the case I was thinking about. I think they settled, and it was like the settlement was meaningless, and it didn't do anything, and so like you know whatever, and life went on. And uh, and now Microsoft,
1: were they the first? Microsoft is still a trillion, with a T, a trillion dollar company, one of only a couple in the world, Amazon and Apple being the others. And uh, what's that? That Saudi oil company? They, they, I don't know. Oil is worthless now, so they may not have it anymore.
0: So I'm going through more of, of uh, I would say Wall Street bets. I would just generally describe a lot of it is um, people posting a lot about Tesla, uh, people going all in with you know options on Tesla and doing really well, and then people uh, going all in on options and uh, losing it all. So I would just say if I were to summarize like the next two pages of the top post, it's about Should we should we short Tesla? Is Tesla going to the moon? Uh, should we buy Tesla now? Which um, <laughs> it's all it's a lot about Tesla. How
1: many? All right. So, how many people are in Wall
0: Street Bets? Can you?
1: Yes. Can you there see are that? like
0: in that in that thread, members of that thread or followers of that thread. So there are 1,562,997 uh, 1, subscribers to Wall Street Bets.
1: So one and a half million people are in this thread. Yeah, and you know, who knows how many actual? You know, some people are probably just there for the entertainment value. I mean. Wall Street bets is like an institution almost at this point. There are reporters that report on what is happening in Wall Street bets. and you know and Wall Street bets, of course, makes fun of them. They're like you're just your job is now to report on what a bunch of degenerates say. you know Oh yeah, and actually that's funny. Wall, uh, Wall Street bets actually describes their uh, their followers as degenerates. <laughs> do, you, do you see that? It's like yeah, it's like we have 1.5 million degenerates. <laughs> you know like i'm in some other uh threads like wall street or in uh like day trading on uh you know i think they have like 150,000 people in them in there and they're like you know we have 150,000 people taking profits you know and it's like they're like yeah we got a bunch of degenerates so and it's the most popular investing slash it's the most popular stock market uh thread on on reddit by far
0: i think it's interesting i mean i've heard or at least people on Reddit claim this that there are like you know there are algorithms that are trying to search you know what are the most talked about stocks you know and what is like most talked about the day of and can we link you know positive sentiment and negative sentiment using AI and then trading based on that and I I mean this is getting you know crazy so then people are you know putting in funny comments to try to trick the bots that are trying to scan their comments and stuff and there's this whole you know subculture about that but um I think it's interesting I think Wall Street that it represents the like the retail investor you know young people that are you know kind of just getting into it and having a lot of fun with it and you know and maybe just saying you know our elders you know they're just like you know they're happy with their eight percent a year you know screw that you know i'm just gonna i'm gonna buy what i like you know and i'm gonna try to you know you know you know make a hundred percent in a year or something like that i
1: think no i i i'm gonna disagree with you i think it represents the the dave portney okay all right the barstool dave i think that's who it represents i think that that's a very close alignment i think it fit very well with his narrative Oh, he just cusses and screams and makes a big thing and he i mean he he seems i don't know i've never i haven't followed him that much but he just seems to yolo all the time like every time the market goes down he's just like crying and cussing up a storm and when the market goes up he's like this is the easiest thing in the world how does not everybody just make a million dollars you know so he's a. but i think i think Wall Street betts and him have a are aligned i mean they have the entertainment value there
0: i think it's interesting like you know, the mainstream, maybe mainstream media, I know that word gets used a lot, but if you look at CNBC now, you know, and how, how are they, you know, is that is that channel like, you know, geared toward, you know, people that are 50 and above because they have all those investing assets or is it, you know, a lot of young people who are really entertained by this stuff and want to be in the market, maybe they should be, you know, switching. You know, they, and they invite Dave on their show to, you know, talk and give a segment. I mean, uh, I think this is, I think Wall Street Reds has is an untapped resource, you know, and maybe it's representative of what kind of the, the current culture, you know, of people, you know, young people today, and eventually these people are going to become fifty later on too. And so, what kind of investing habits are they going to have along the way? And are they going to get a little less crazy? I mean, who knows?
1: Yeah, indeed, who
0: knows? Um, or are they going to get weeded out? They're going to lose all their money, and then there's going to be you know, less Wall Street betters around.
1: No, because I think that the element that of the de- degenerate gamblers that sticks around that doesn't lose all their money, right? Like there's always gonna be I mean I'm talking you know rule rule of large numbers. Event, you know, if you just if you if everyone just YOLOs a hundred you know all their money constantly on puts and calls and puts and calls some yes the vast majority 98% are gonna end up bankrupt but you're gonna have one to two percent by default by rule of large numbers that end up being incredibly incredibly wealthy. And then, you know, we'll just watch them. And and when you look at uh, 1.5 million people, you know, you can have several, you can have several thousand with that on a 1% basis, right? Yeah. And so all of a sudden, as long as we have a thousand people to watch. 500 people to watch. We really just need like two or three. We need maybe 20 people on Wall Street Bets making money to keep this thing whole thing going. So I think the rule of large numbers will keep this thing going indefinitely.
0: I think you make a point. I think a lot of people might be just viewing for entertainment, right? They might be entertained by that 1% that's making all that money. They might be entertained by the guy who loses it all, but hopefully not the 1.5 million of people are not YOLOing their money every day maybe it's <laughs> a smaller percentage of that that's doing
1: that I'm like yeah hopefully only 10% <laughs> but still an incredible amount of people YOLOing <laughs> their, their entire life savings constantly
0: into uh, into puts and calls sure so so i think we're almost you know getting toward the end of our you know our podcast i usually we usually end it with a question of the day but do you want to end it maybe at the segment of you know, our idea for, you know, the day, you know, our ETF idea. Yes.
1: Yes. Let's talk about the ETF. Now I want to, I want to put a caveat or just you know, just note that we have, I just scheduled them this week and we are going to be interviewing somebody that creates ETFs. That's his business. He actually helps. He, he has, they ha- their business has their own ETFs and they allow people to also create their own ETFs. I don't know what it costs. I don't know the process behind it, we're going to ask him all of these questions. I'm not going to name drop right now, just in case he cancels. So I don't want to sound like an idiot, um, but we're going to have somebody on that we can actually discuss some of these things with how to create their, our own ETFs. So let's hear what ETFs do we want
0: to create? Yeah. So, so maybe just the quick summary about ETFs are exchange traded funds. They kind of act like mutual funds. They buy a basket of individual securities. And so my wife was thinking about this idea actually, you know, so, we're talking about socially conscious investing. So, you know, my retirement plan, you can buy basically, you know, I, I want to buy companies that are, you know, responsible, they treat their workers nice, they're good for the environment, they do good, you know, they're not, you know, they're not polluting, they're not emitting all this carbon, you know, they're not gambling, they're not sinful, they're not, you know, selling cigarettes, they're not killing people, that sort of thing, you know. And so basically, I was like, okay, what is this, you know, ETF doing? And it's like, uh, like, I was, you know, socially responsible, you know, companies, and basically it basically is like, it was like, you know, you know, it was the, like the S&P 500 minus, minus the oil and gas companies and gambling companies and that sort of thing. So it's, it's, it wasn't really doing very, you know, it wasn't deviating that much. Actually, it was doing better because oil and gas was taken out this year. So uh, kudos <laughs> to that. But it made me think, you know, over the long term, and you know, this is um, one of those things, you know, what if we made a completely sinful ETF? So instead of, you know, the good, you know, there's the good place, the good ETF, you know, the socially responsible one, what if we made one that you know, just catered to human based tendencies. So we're talking about, you know, whatever gambling allowed, you know, all the cigarettes, all the marijuana, all the alcohol, you know, everything unhealthy for the body, you know, massive polluters, you know, all the oil and gas companies, you know, if we made the bad ETF, how does that perform over time versus the good ETF? So do you have initial thoughts on that, Michael? Or do we want to ask our ETF guy these questions? I think we want to ask the ETF guy these
1: questions. I think, you know, because I also, you have those socially responsible ETFs. I'm not impressed with them at all because they have certain companies on there that I feel do, you know, kind of anti, I I think they do bad things. You know, they have, from what I saw, Amazon was in there. And I know Amazon's doing some good things. They're they're moving towards, you know, being carbon neutral. They have good corporate governance. But do you know, like, and they support—I'm air quoting—support small businesses. But anytime a small business is like making an absolute killing, Amazon's like, you know what? We're going to make that product instead. I think one example off the top of my head is USB cords. There was some small businesses that were, you know, importing USB cords uh, at you know probably a few pennies, and then selling them on Amazon for several dollars. You know, making an enormous markup, several thousand percent markup on it. And Amazon saw this and they go, Well, we can do that. And we'll just undercut our competition, who, you know, we're facilitating anyway. We can, you know, they they can control, you know, and it was basically predatory the way they put these small small businesses out of business because that small business had such a great idea. Amazon's like, you know what, you don't deserve to make that much profit. I want to make that. Money. You know, yeah. if anyone's going to make a thousand percent profit, we are. Nobody else.
0: Yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of reports about Put Amazon out of business. doing these kind of shady things with like page ranking, counterfeit goods. Like, you know, there's this goods coming from China that are undercutting, so Amazon's promoting them, and then all of a sudden, the real is getting all these negative reviews on their product, and you know, Amazon's doing nothing to stop that. And, and to your point, yeah, there've been people that have pitched. You know, they wanted to be acquired by Amazon, so they gave them all their information about their company, all their how their products work, and then Amazon's like, we're just going to reverse engineer it, and, you know, and do it ourselves, and. So I think, you know, yeah, Amazon may contribute a lot to charity. And, you know, I love my one day delivery. I like getting my products, you know, the next day, you know, and they, I mean, they seem to pay Amazon warehouse workers. Okay. But I've heard, you know, some shady stories about that too, that like they don't let them go to the bathroom and some other things, you know, so, um, but yeah, I mean, how do we decide what goes into the good ETF? You're right. That's up to the deciders of the ETF to, to decide what that, what that means. Right? I, I
1: think that's why we might have to actually design our own ETF. So this can be a question for the ETF guy. Can we design our own ETFs? You know, I don't know how, to, yeah. well, we can, I know we can. What does it take? Can we design
0: these two ETFs and then yeah, put them
1: against the, each other?
0: Yeah, pit them against each other, you know, and, you know, in those management fees, you know, if, if I make this great ETF idea, you know, will he give me a cut? I don't know, <laughs> but you're free to steal this idea. I think this is a good, interesting experiment from like a scientific oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Scientific. If you steal it, please
1: let us know. We'll just follow you instead of trying to set up our own deal. It sounds, it might be expensive. I really don't, like I said, those are questions for uh for our ETF guy. I'm excited to have him on. I think he'll be a good guest, though.
0: Yep. Yep. Well, I think we've covered a lot of ground today. So I mean, any last thoughts, Michael?
1: Not you know, just remember you can't you can't fight you know they say you can't fight city hall in the market you can't fight the Federal Reserve. If the Federal Reserve is buying, you better be buying too. Don't short against you know the money printer.
0: Oh man, I. Totally agree with you, Michael. There, I think that that's a great ending point. And so, with that, this is Trading for Keeps. I'm Brian, and this is Michael.